I really feel like the Lord wants to challenge us this morning. And before you say, oh, man, here he goes again. I just want to tell you, it's, it's going to be good. All right? All right? We're going to start in an old, old Testament book, the book of Jonah. And to be honest with you, this is where we're going to spend pretty much the whole time. And we're going to be talking about the doing the will of the Lord. When the will of God is hard. How many of you know God doesn't always ask you to do the thing that you're excited to do? He doesn't always ask you to do the thing that's easy for you. Right? What should we do in those situations? How often do we even take time and just contemplate for yourself? I don't want you to out yourself for anything. But how often do you take a moment each day in each situation and ask the Lord what is his will for you that day? Before you make a choice, before you make a decision, before you make a call, before you take a step one direction or the other, how many, how often do you stop and say, Lord, my life is not my own anymore. My life is yours. It is bought and paid for. Okay? I'm not living this life for my own gain or for my own ends anymore. I'm living this life for your glory. I'm living this life in obedience to you. What is it that you would have me do? And that question is not meant to condemn. It's, it's meant to provoke. <laughs> it's meant to provoke thought. It's meant, it's meant to encourage you to go in that direction. They say, God, what is your will for me in this endeavor? My, my, my initial reaction may be one out of habit. My initial reaction may be one out of my soul. If I were to just go how I feel in the moment, if I examine, if I examine what I want to do, would it be consistent with God's word? Oftentimes we get caught up and we don't take a moment to step back and say, God, how should I proceed? And I believe God is one to challenge us to do that in our walk with him. Because it's a walk with him. Amen? I'll amen myself if I have to, but, but let's go through this. And I'm going to be reading darn near all of it. We'll see. Chapter 1, verse 1. I could paraphrase a lot of it, but I just believe in reading God's word. Amen? But it displeased. Oh. Sorry, chapter 1, verse 1. Now the word of the Lord. Everybody say the word of the Lord. So this is clear. This is God speaking. Jonah knows it's God speaking. He knows what the will of God is. He's not having to wonder about it. Is this God or not? I don't know. You know, he knows. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, 
Go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. God is talking to the man of God, right? So naturally, the man of God is going to do, going to hop to it and do exactly what God wanted him to do, right? Wrong. But, verse 3, but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, what do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. Now, I want to paint a picture here. I feel like it's pretty vividly painted in here, but obviously Jonah has decided to rebel against the command of God. God clearly told him to go to Nineveh. And the Ninevites were a brutish people. They were marauders. They were invaders. They, they pillaged. They robbed. They beat. They raped. They stole. They destroyed livestock. They, uh, and they did it to many different nations, many different people, including the people of God. Okay? So Jonah, no doubt, I like to look at the personal stuff in here. I like to try and get put myself in the shoes of the main character when I read and say, what must he have gone through? What may have inspired his reaction to God here? And you know what I believe that I see as I read through that is that Jonah either was personally impacted or people in his family and people that he loved dearly were severely impacted by the evil ways of the Ninevites. And there was bitterness towards him that was deeply rooted in his heart. And God, knowing that, didn't say, oh, man, his heart is so fraught with bitterness and unforgiveness, I can't ask Jonah to go and preach the word to the Ninevites. No, he didn't avoid that. God told him to go do the hard thing. I want you, Jonah, the one who has been affected by the Ninevites, to go bring the word to them. You know, the scripture says that God will not give us more than we can bear, but along with it will provide a way of escape. So, uh, you know what? I've learned in my life, my walk with the Lord, that oftentimes the way of escape God wants me to walk through the thing that is most painful for me to walk through. And my way of escape is to go through the thing I want to avoid. The thing I want to, uh, uh, to run away from, the victory and the way of escape is to walk right through it and know that God will link up with us and walk us through it step by step by step. And if we'll trust him, we'll be healed. If we trust him, we'll be whole again. If we trust him, we will gain victory and overcome the things that have been weights and sins that have been besetting us in our lives. You're, you're hearing me. 
And I know we'd like to think that God, he said, hey, he, won't, he won't give me anything that I will bear. So if I don't like it, it ain't God. No, it ain't true. <laughs> he said he won't, do, he won't give you more than you can bear. He didn't say he won't have you do something you don't like. He didn't say he won't have you do something that isn't hard for you. Amen? And Jonah depicts that very well. And, 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 and Jonah, not only did he not, he didn't just say no to God. This man bought a fare, got on a ship that would take him to the opposite direction of where God told him to go. Flat out open rebellion. And before we continue to read on, there's already a lots of revelation in what we've read. Notice, when you decide to step out of the will of God and disobey God, there are consequences to that. You know, it, it, it isn't just a thing that you did and, and it can just be okay. No, it, it's not a small thing. And those consequences don't always just affect you. This is Jonah's rebellion. These men had no idea what Jonah was doing. They were giving him a ride. And yet the storm is impacting them and they're in peril because they're in his orbit. They don't know that they are enabling him in his rebellion against God. And so the consequence, the storm that God brings to prevent him from continuing in his rebellion is caught, they're caught in the middle of it. And looking back on my life, when I've rebelled against the Lord, I wasn't the only one that suffered the consequences. There were people in my family that were suffering the consequences right along with me. There were friends who loved me and prayed with me and so forth that were enduring the storm that I, that was going around in my life, and that storm just enveloped them as well. Are you hearing me? So you don't live life in a vacuum. I know we talk like that sometimes. Hey, man, I'm just doing me. It's my life. I ain't bothering nobody. It ain't impacting anybody else. Man, there is no way that you're doing anything in life and it's not impacting someone else. If you're walking in obedience to God and in his will, then the blessings that, that are on your life will rain down and other people can get the residual of it. If you're out of God's will and walking in disobedience, then all the consequences, they don't just affect you. There's residual that impacts others. There are people who you might, you should be in Nineveh sharing the word of God that if you were doing what you're supposed to do, those people will hear the word of God and come to salvation. Are you hearing me? So they're caught up in this storm. They have no idea the only guy who knows what's going on is the guy who's in rebellion. And it's crazy to me, but he's at the bottom of the ship sleeping, which means in this moment he has a measure of comfort. He, he, he's he's at, at, at peace somehow in his soul because he's doing what he wants to do. Forget what God wants. He's doing what he wants to do. Not his will, not God's will, but my will be done. 
and God's having none of it. Verse 7, and they said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Oh, it's starting to come due now. Then they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What's your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? And he said to them, I'm a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. So he came out and just told them, you know what, hey, here's why this is happening. God told me to do something. I'm not going to do it. Uh, I hopped on board so you guys can help me go in the opposite direction, and this is why we're all going through what we're going through right now. He has no shame in it. And I'm like, man, this is, I know he is a sincere man of God. How could he be so blatant in his rebellion against God here? God simply told him to go preach the word to someone. And that's why I say you know that he was personally and deeply hurt, offended, abused by the very people that God is sending him. And so his emotions are speaking loud. His judgments toward them are being exalted above the will of God. And so he feels justified. He feels that God is unfair and wrong to ask him to do this thing that he does not want to do. but it's not up for us. It's not up to us, is it? Then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? <laughs> you know, they've had about enough of this storm. They don't want this to continue. What can we do to you so we can, this storm can quiet down for us? And you would think the man of God would say, you know what? I'll tell you what, just take me back to Joppa. Drop me back off where you pick me up. But he doesn't do that. Isn't that the logical thing? Well, he, was at, he went to Joppa, got on, the, got on the ship to be taken to Tarshish, away from the will of God. The logical thing would be, turn the boat around, drop me back off. But Jonah says, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. And they thought about that. And they're like, mm, I don't know about that, Ro. I, I'm not really down with throwing you overboard and letting you drown to death. And so what do they do? Nevertheless, the men rode hard trying to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they called out to the Lord, O oh Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood for you, O oh Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea and the sea ceased from its raging. Now, I want to stop there a minute. And I can already tell we're going to, this is going to be a part two and I'm going to have to finish this up next week. But 
I want to stop there for a minute because it's very important to notice what just happened. First of all, I used to think that Jonah was being considerate to those men by telling them to throw him overboard so that the storm would stop for them. But that's not what the but that's not what his motivation was. His motivation was still I refuse to do what God said and to go back to Nineveh. I would rather die here in the sea than to go back to dry land and go do what God wants me to do. So going back is not an option. You can throw me overboard and it'll end for you. It'll end for both of us, really, because I, I die before I go and preach to those people. And you know what? They tried to do the thing that made sense. They were like, man, we're not going to throw a guy overboard. Let's just take him back where we got him. And God wouldn't let them do it. The, the, wind got, the, the wind got such that so strong that they could not make it back to land. And then they had to make that choice. Well, we can't go there. Well, why would God do that? Well, other people can't make the choice for you. They can't repent for you. They can't, if you're not ready to surrender to God and repent and commit to doing his will, okay, other people just can't throw you into that situation because you're not ready to, you're not ready for that. So they could have taken him to the land, to dry land, and if they had been successful in doing it, he would have still been just as rebellious as he was on the ship. He was not, he was determined, he was not going to obey the word of the Lord. So God was like, no, no, no. He is not, he's, he's not repentant. He's not going to obey me. No, I'm not going to let you take him to dry land. I'm going I'm to make you do what the man of God told you to do, which is throw him overboard. Are you hearing this? So they picked him up and threw him overboard. Jonah's intent was to die. God had other plans. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now, you know, you know a man has some serious, a serious root of bitterness. If you're sitting there in the belly of a fish, and it still takes you 72 hours. <laughs> All right? Not 72 seconds, not 72 minutes, 72 hours, three days in the belly of the fish. And after three days, and I love this prayer, I would encourage you, Jonah chapter 2, uh, we're going to read this today, but I, I, I would just encourage you to really read, on, read that, meditate on it, and just let the Holy Spirit begin to reveal some things to you uh, in that prayer. But let's read Jonah's prayer. His 72-hour-in-the-belly-of-the-fish prayer. Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep. It's a bit of revisionist history, but... 
he has to be cast into the deep. But for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. Yet I shall call again. Yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. Say, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. You know, Jonah... safe to say, hit, hit pretty, hit rock bottom. He came to the end of himself. He was totally humbled. God put him in the, between the ultimate rock and a hard place. That's got to be the worst time out that anyone's ever been put on. And he could not, he couldn't run anymore. It was obvious God wasn't going to let him die. His way of escape, his way of overcoming the bitterness and unforgiveness and hatred toward the Ninevites was to walk the path God marked out for him. That was the only way. And God gave him no other option. Running wasn't an option. He had to make the choice. And after 72 hours, he said this beautiful prayer. And at the end, uh, in verse 9, but with the voice of thanksgiving, I will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. As a man of God, He signed up to do God's will. Not just when he approved of it, but what God said is what he, what God commanded is what he vowed to do. And he finally in that moment said, what I have vowed, I will pay. Who is worthy of salvation and who isn't is not my call. Your throne is not the place that I should be putting myself on. You are the author of salvation. Not my will, but yours be done. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation belongs to the Lord. 
And at that moment, God knew he was ready to do what God called him to do. And you may be sitting here today, and believe it or not, you may be in a similar situation to Jonah. Forget about the fish and all that other stuff. Certain details are not duplicable. The heart of the matter is God may be speaking to you, challenging you, pressing you to do what he has told, do something that he's told you to do and you've been resistant. You have your reasons, I'm sure, whatever your reasons are. You need to know whatever your reasons are as valid as they may seem, they're inadequate. Because it comes down to whether or not you're going to obey God and walk in his will or disobey him and, and step outside of his will. Are you hearing me? We've seen up to this point some some consequences that the turbulent chaos that came about simply from him choosing to walk outside of God's will and it impacted not just himself but people who innocently allowed him into their lives and simply agreed to give him a ride. I want you to know that God has a purpose and a plan for your life. I'm going to say that again. He has a purpose for you. He has a plan for your life. And he wants you to accomplish his plan. He wants to be able to say, well done, thy good and faithful servant at the end of your days. His plan includes every, every provision, everything that you need for your own personal growth and for you to be able to minister in the power of God into the lives of other people. And there comes a point in our Christian walk as disciples of the Lord that our plans, that our ideas, that all of our things that we have for our lives become subservient to what God's will is for our lives. You're not just aimlessly walking about in this place just trying to figure out where you fit in society and all that. No, 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 no. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Okay? You were made for a purpose. By God, you're here on this earth for a purpose. You have purpose. You have merit. You have value. You just have to link up with the one who gave it to you and allow him to reveal to you what his plan is for your life. You have to pursue him and seek that and ask him, Lord, I want to know what your will is. What is your plan for my life? so that I can give myself 
fully to it. Now, you can, you don't have to do it. It's this, this is uh, free will. You don't have to do it. You can choose to do what you want to do. You can walk outside of God's will. Just know that there's consequences to that. I know it doesn't sound like it when I'm up here, but I really do like y'all. This is just, you know, you, you preach what God puts on your heart, and you speak the truth, and you speak it in love. Amen? And, you know, we live in a, a day and time. Uh, we live in a society where, you know, what God wants and what God's will is is, is insignificant. And, and oftentimes, you know, you're, you know, we still love that song, I did it my way. It's, it, it's celebrated. Be your own person. Do what you want to do. Don't let anybody tell you different and so forth and so. And it all sounds good. And it's all so dumb. It is. Because as a, as a young man, I used to resist my mother used to try and give me wisdom all the time, whether it was about girls, my personal life, and certain decisions. And it, and it was always, well, that might have been good in your day. But this is different. And I would reject it, and I would reject it, and I would do my own thing, and I would just crash and burn so many times. And about the time I hit 23, 24, it's amazing how wise my mother became. After I had gone through the very thing she was trying to prevent me from doing. She had learned from the hard knocks of life. She had learned from decisions that she had made and didn't want her son repeating those things. And she tried to impart wisdom to me, but I had my own way. I knew what I wanted to do. I knew how it was going to work out. I, ha I had it figured out. And there's a reason God says that the younger generation, you know, you need to listen to the older generation. And the older generation, you need to impart the wisdom that you've learned to the younger generation so that they can learn those lessons without having to go through the grinder and barely make it out, if you make it out. But the young people have to realize the value and the treasure that the generations that have gone before us are to us. Amen? I know I'm, I'm saying us. I'm not really young anymore, but I like to lie to myself sometimes. Yeah, I guess, well, if I'm as old as I feel, brother, I might. <laughs> but that attitude has seeped over into the church. To the point that what God's will is doesn't have, isn't held in as high regard as it ought to be. Okay? It isn't weighty. We, we aren't taking that moment to really, hey, wait a minute. You know, this, 
I am bought with a price. I belong to Christ. I've been purchased by the blood of the Lord, by the blood of Jesus. You know, God has a plan for me. You know what? Before I make a before I make major decisions and so forth, I probably ought to consult my, my heavenly Father and get direction from Him as to what I should, as to the way that I should go. He's the author and finisher. Amen. Goodness gracious, man! I I talk too much, I guess, but. <laughs> But, uh, you know, I'm going to go ahead and, and stop right there, and I'll finish up next week. We're going we're gonna to talk further on that. We're not just going to focus solely on the consequence side of not walking in God's will. But there's also, there's also blessings. <laughs> there's, also, there's so much more reasons and benefits for you to walk in the will of God. But I don't like to start with uh, benefits and all this other stuff because I'm a firm believer that you obey God regardless of the perceived benefits. You obey God. While we were still sinners, Christ loved us and gave himself for us. Amen? And so he loved us when, when we were unlovable. Amen? And so he gave himself for us. He was hung on that cross, beaten beyond recognition, wounded, life ebbing away from him, and he still loved us enough to say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. That's how much he loved us. And then and then Hebrews tells us that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. So he was able to look beyond the shame, Beyond the pain, beyond that embarrassment, beyond all that he was enduring, he was able to see, he he was looking at what that cross would bring about, which was the reconciliation of us with our Heavenly Father. Amen? And you know, I believe since he loved us, since he first loved us, he showed his love, his unestimable love to us in such a great way that we ought to just love him back, regardless of the perceived benefits and blessings. It, what he's already done for us is enough to warrant our obedience to him out of love and gratitude and thanksgiving for what he's done for us. Amen? And so, and, and that's just the bottom line. That's the crux of it. And, um, but he's so kind, he's so wonderful, he's so good that he gives us blessings on top of that. <laughs> Amen. He's a good, good father. And so, so, so we'll continue on, continue in that. But I just, I'm going to ask you to stand and I just want to just speak to you and ask you to close your eyes. And just meditate. Just think for a moment. Maybe there was one expression that really struck a chord in your heart. Maybe this topic in general is just really convicting you and so forth. But there is nothing, nothing to be ashamed of. This is the moment 
This is your moment. To choose life. I don't know every face that's here this morning. Maybe you're here this morning. Someone drug you here. Maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe you've heard about him. Maybe you can't wait till we end this service so you can go grab a bite to eat and go about your day. But I want you to know that you're here not by happenstance. You're here not by accident. But you're here according to the divine purpose and will of Almighty God. You're here to hear this because it was important that you hear it. And you have an opportunity to respond in faith. You have an opportunity to respond in obedience. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. And maybe you've not surrendered your heart to the Lord. I want you to know the Lord's arms are open for you today and he is he's extending his arms and he is inviting you to enter into his love, to enter into the salvation of the Lord that he gave his only begotten son to give you. And maybe you're here today and you've been a child of God for some time, but you're feeling convicted this morning. You know, maybe you realize that, you know, I have not been living my life for him. I've been making choices that have not considered what his will might be that may not be consistent with his word. You, too, have an opportunity to right the ship, as it were. To say, Lord, this day, this moment, I, I can't do anything about what I've done before this time, but right now, in this moment, I choose to respond in obedience. I, Lord, I repent right now. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice unto thee. I will do that which I have vowed. Salvation belongs to you. And with eyes closed and heads bowed, if you're making a renewed commitment to the Lord, just just lift your hands. Don't worry about anybody looking. It's, it, it just be, I don't think anyone would be looking except for me. If they are, we'll just bless them in the Lord and won't worry about it. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I'll give a few more seconds.
Holy Spirit is dealing with us, give you an opportunity to respond to him. Hallelujah. Father God, we thank you for speaking to our hearts this morning. For speaking to us in the hard places that we're currently in right now. for putting your finger on those areas that we may be avoiding and running when the voice of the Lord is telling us we're going to have to walk through this. But that we don't have to, but we don't have to walk through it alone if we trust you, if we decide that we trust you enough that if we walk through this hard thing, you'll walk through it with us and you'll sustain us in it. And you'll give us the provision that we need in it. You'll give us the strength that we need to continue to take the next step. And you will light our pathway. Just enough light for us to take the next step each time. Now, I know, I know we want to see 10 steps ahead. We want to see the finish line from where we're at. And we think that's a good thing. But sometimes looking to the finish line in front of us, we can trip up where we're at. You just want us to stay with you in the moment where you're at, and you will light our pathway to take the next step. And we'll do that, Lord. And then we'll wait on you. We'll continue to seek your face, and we'll wait on you. And when you light up the next step, we'll take that step. And we'll do that step by step by step. And before we know it, we're on the other side, and we're screaming hallelujah and praise the Lord. And so, Father, we just thank you for really shining a light on that this morning. We thank you for your provision in these hard places. We thank you, Father God, that even though that sometimes you will call us to do the thing that is the hardest thing for us to do. And that even though it's hard, you do it out of love, and you do it because it, you know that it is the best thing for us to do. We may not be able to see it, but give us the wisdom and grace to trust you as you lead us through it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. If I'll stay up here. Um, I want to let you know the, the altar area is open. If you need to come up and pray, you need to uh, talk about anything that I have uh, taught on this morning, got any questions, uh, I'm, I'm totally available and open to dialoguing with you, and I'd be more than honored to pray with you about this this one called Jesus and the salvation of the Lord or whatever you're going through, I'd be happy to counsel you and 
just bless you in the Lord.